What's up, Jesse? What's up, Corey? I got a question to start things off. A really deep question, okay? Something mm-hmm. that's been on my mind. Okay. If you could have the option to fly or be invisible, which one would you choose? Oh, definitely fly. Yeah, why? I have I have a pretty quick and strong answer too, but why do you, why do you say fly? Um, I mean, that's just, for one, that's always something I wanted to be able to do. But um, you fly on your own. Yeah, just like you know, fly around like Superman. Um, I would love that. The nerd in you wants to be able to. Yeah, fly. so I want to be able to fly. Being invisible, I think, might lead into too many like weird like avenues of voyeurism, and <laughs> that's exactly why I avoid it. <laughs> it's like I was like, you know, I'm just being honest with myself. Yeah, but but you would be the only one that knew about that voyeurism. Yeah, but I have a conscience, so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I have to like, yeah, no, I'd rather fly. Well, I think, um, you know, talking about voyeurism in the first minute's a good start to a, <laughs> to, a, to a show. I I thought the same thing. There'd just be too many, and, and more than, than that, there's too many opportunities to be sneaky. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, there'd be some major advantages to that. And I mean, as a black man, I feel invisible sometimes anyway. <laughs> but sometimes you wish you were invisible. Well, I mean, yeah. Definitely, definitely. You may need to rethink. And I wish I could fly away. (laughs) Hey, everybody. My name is Corey Nolan. I am a photographer, a musician, and pretty much anything I can do during the pandemic to make some money. (laughs) I'm here with uh, with Jesse Subtle. What up? What do you do, Jesse? I am a uh, musician um, when we're not uh, in quarantine. Uh, but uh, since we are in quarantine, I'm a pretty much a full-time stay-at-home dad, uh, homemaker, um, you know, ersatz gardener, <laughs> lawn, <laughs> lawn care person, and a chef. That's a lot of hats, man. Yeah. I, I we know each other. I, I we've known each other maybe four or five years now. Is that at about least? Right? Yeah. Is that, is it, yeah. Yeah. I guess at least yeah, at this point. At least point. five years, I think. I mean, you've probably known of me for probably like twenty or twenty-five. Oh yeah. My, yeah. Your legend looms large in the yeah. pantheon of Bluff Park lore. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yours did. I I heard really? about you well long before I I ever met you. Yeah. But we know each other through music. Have played um, a number of gigs together. And uh, and we've had a conversation around race. Recorded an album together. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was, really great album. It's my favorite album. It's my one of well, yeah. I, of I your don't. Albums, I mean, it's my my... Favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is one of my favorite albums. Period. Uh, Seriously, no, that's, no, it is. This is just BS. No, no, man. No, it's not. Yeah. All right. If, I sit down here at night and like watch our performance up at uh the now uh, gone. Um, now it's wild roast yeah it's yeah coffee shop. Yeah. yeah what was it before Moon, moonlight, on moonlight. <laughs> yeah it, it <laughs> i was like i could see it, the it, i could it meant so the, much to you well no i could see the uh logo i was like yeah the yeah moonlight but Moon. yeah no that's one of my favorite things that i've done like in my whole career that's very sweet i it didn't is, know that man. and i don't yeah. know that i would have heard that if we weren't yeah. sitting here together look at that's the true. things that are happening yeah well yeah so we that's how we know each other we've had a conversation a lot a lot um outside of well during practices after practices 
and then outside of music mm -hmm. uh, regarding race. I'm told, I'm told that you're black. That's what I've been told uh -huh. as well. And, um, you know, sometimes I actually feel like I am. That was like a little Chappelle moment there. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I joke about that, which some people may not find funny, but <laughs> uh, the the idea that people don't see color, I think was like a, it was a big thing. I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, like yeah. that's like the, the, the woke was like, I don't see color. Yeah, that's such nonsense. Right. And, and, and so I think now what we're experiencing is more of a, uh, no, I, I want you to see and understand mm -hmm. my color because that means you are understanding where I came from. Right. You're understanding what I deal with every day. Right. You're understanding the differences and you and I, which for as much as we want to talk about and we want equality, there are just some differences and have I mean, been for a long time. Humanity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it'd be boring if we were totally all alike, but you know, but you you would certainly prefer things to be a little more equal in the sense that we'll I mean, come together and talk I mean about. that that ultimately is the goal. I think is that um everybody wants to be treated, you know, the same regardless of their race or uh, ethnic background or economic status. You know, we're all human beings, and it's uh you know it's just to me it's just a matter of just common decency and humanity. To want to um, just treat, you know, your fellow man as you'd want to be treated. I mean, it's the golden rule and it sounds cliche and corny, but I mean, it really is the hardest and the simplest thing that uh, we could do as uh, human beings. Well, I bring that up to also make the point that as I'm, I am white, if you don't know. <laughs> Are you? Are you? I'm, Are you? I'm, Are you? I'm the whitest Person you're you know. definitely not the whitest person I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're up there. You're, you're pretty, you know. But uh, yeah, I know some people that like. Yeah, we'll give you a good run for your money. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I, I'm. I'm. I, you have a number of country music uh, people you play with, but I, I'm in that category. So that's that's pretty yeah. white. Uh, I mean, but it's not. See, I mean, that's the whole idea of like a particular style or genre of music. I mean, though it may be, you know, predominantly played or performed by a person of one particular race we say race because we we all know race is a social construct there really is only one race the human race but i think that was a garth brooks song oh is it see yeah that's see yeah yeah that's that's way more white than i am i don't yeah. um but i mean the thing is is like music to me is just it's universal people say i don't see color the only thing i don't really see color in is music because I know there are a lot of white, like what they call, quote unquote, blue eyed soul singers like, you know, Simply Red mm -hmm. or Daryl Hall that um, touch me as much as like Otis Redding or Marvin Gaye. Yeah. And even like in country music, like, you know, George Jones touches me in that same way. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the whole idea that music has. We've done that. That's another thing that we've done as a as a society is that we've made music. We branched it off into these sub-genres of you know like this is pop music this is r&b this is country and you know as a kid growing up in the 70s and like the 80s radio is just a radio you know i heard everything from like the clash on the radio to simple minds but i i turned right around and hear like terrence trent darby and prince and michael jackson i thought you were 27 
I I I look twenty seven <laughs> <laughs> in my mind. Mm-hmm. But I mean that's the whole thing is that you know, I'm I'm grateful for that time that I grew up. That music was so much more just kind of universal. You'd hear Earth, Wind, and Fire, and then you turn right around and hear something like Bandit did like Wildfire, you know. All those songs play into my my favorite songs of all time, you mm. know. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire as much as I love you like Pure Prairie League, mm. you know. I love me some Pure Prairie League. Yeah. yeah. Ricky Skaggs pretty great. Was he in that? Yeah, yeah. I knew that Vince Gill was in it for oh, a minute. Oh, Vince Gill, Vince Gill, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, but it was just a minute. If It's hard yeah. to find. Yeah. He wasn't like. Uh, no, it was Vince Gill, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, we will certainly drift in and out of music <laughs> because uh, that's our history. But I, I want to turn it more to the topics of this week and, and kind of transition. We're, the hope here is for us to sit down and have a conversation several times, and it may lead to more than that. Right, and we can discuss the various ways that, in addition to the the hot topics, the things that are happening right now, the ways that we kind of have gotten to where we are, and uh, that's really an endless conversation. Oh, most definitely. So I don't necessarily represent any side in this. I think I probably will bring, end up bringing maybe some of the history and the culture of the of the white culture that mm-hmm. because i i grew up with a lot of racism around me really? i grew up in, even in embracing that i mean wow. i've 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 apologized to people for the ways that i've acted because it was necessary mm-hmm. so i'm i'm not i'm not someone who's is done with with that journey so i i i hesitate to to act like you know i've arrived mm-hmm. Because I, I mean, there's there's just so many things that I still take for granted. But one thing that I've noticed, and my job takes me all over the U.S. and I'm around so many different people. I mean, and it's really interesting when you go to to Tampa or you mm-hmm. go to New York City or you go to San Diego. Right. It's a really different thing. Mm-hmm. It's really homogenous here. Uh, okay. They're really kind of like just a couple of ways of of life here. Right. And so I, I think my my point of view has been broadened a little more um, because of that, and I've that's I'm really grateful for that. No, that's a, I mean that's a really you know good point, and I tell you know I tell people all the time that part of my my journey is that I moved around a lot growing up for different reasons, and so I was exposed to a lot of things that a lot of people around here, especially, I were not exposed to. I was exposed to certain kinds of art and just whole kind of political movements in the sense that um, I saw people in my family and people that were more like activist type people that um, stood up for things when it was kind of detrimental to their own well-being and just traveling in general, you know, having traveled a lot um, in years past as a musician, I think definitely broadened my scope of like, the world of like mm-hmm. what the world is. The world is not Birmingham. And when you have that kind of outlook on life, you don't feel boxed in and feel that you have to fit into, you know, these made up kind of uh, categories of what you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't always been easy. Uh, a lot of times because of the way that I view the world, I've been ostracized from blacks and whites, you know, been considered weird or odd or, you know, what have you. And that's because, you know, I'm not looking at the world through their kind of a uh, narrow vision of mm-hmm. it. 
Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, that's a good transition to make the point that there's something that's going on that is kind of under the surface and that can be true regardless of where, wherever you're located, mm-hmm. because the things that happened this week, well, there's kind of a, a two side things there as far as there's going to be people that have a certain opinion of how things went down in Birmingham, but there would be certainly plenty of people that would say there's progress that was made in, in the deep South. And then you have the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, which is a progress. Like most people would tell you that's a progressive city. You would think so. But I mean, the more I read about it, it's not, I mean, it's very much a city of, of uh, white privilege and of um, white people being the ones who are making the policies and decisions for a smaller, like less empowered black population. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my favorite musician of all time is from um, Minnesota, from Minneapolis, Prince. And, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot because I'm like, here's a person who a lot of people didn't know what race he was. Like, I always knew he was black, <laughs> but. You know, he had songs that were like, am I black or white? Am I straight or gay? That song, Controversy. And he was in a place. Those are the actual lines? Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's the first lines of the song. That's very on the nose. Yeah. Am I straight or gay? And uh, it's like, do I believe in God? You know, because I think people felt like, oh, I can connect with this guy because he's not really a black guy, you know? And so it was safe. Um yeah, he, he played the electric guitar. Yeah, he, he was cried, shredding. Right. He was right. You know, he had crazy hair yeah. and like you know. So it was like, oh, he's kind of punk, you know, or uh-huh. he's kind of new wave or whatever. But um, you know, black people dug it because it was funky, and you know, it definitely uh, retained those just kind of the historical semblances of like R and B music and funk music and black music. Yeah, and so we got that. But here was a guy who's living in a city where he's definitely a minority. And he, for a time, changed music. He really did. I mean, Prince's influence during the, like, you know, probably between 84 and 86. I mean, no one else. I mean, he had a movie out. He had a top-selling album and a top-grossing concert, you know. I mean, he was the king of the world in music. And he also had a diverse band, which wasn't just, like, racially diverse, but it was also, like, you know, diverse gender gender right yeah. and so i mean growing up seeing that 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 really you know subconsciously you're not thinking about all those things when you're first like tuning into the music mm-hmm. but you know looking back on it i'm like oh yeah you know he shaped kind of my view mm-hmm. of like how the world could be mm-hmm. how we could all make music together you know have a good time together and get along well so how, how does that af- affect your view of Minneapolis and what's your opinion of, of that and the things that have happened this week? It, it really kind of, I mean, it struck me to my core because I was like, wow, I'm like, that's kind of the last place that I thought something like this would like, you know, become like national, international mm-hmm. news. And, but then I thought, I'm like, dude, you've been to Minnesota several times. You've actually played in that club that's in Purple Rain. It's like, you know, it's not that diverse, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's like movies can kind of trick you into thinking like the world's one way, but yeah. like Minnesota is really white. Yeah. You know, it's really white. Yeah. I heard, I heard a report on it. I think it was on the daily talking about, it's kind of a paradox that you have this 
progressive like and i've heard people talk about oh yeah you can like kayak down the rivers right. and there's all these you know from this what i would say is a white progressive kind yeah, of yeah perspective this mm -hmm. is this really cool place to go and visit or to live right. and then but running parallel to that is a worse than what we experience oh, here definitely and it's just kind of hidden and tucked away and and that's something that in our next episode that we'll, we're going to discuss we'll we'll talk about how we get to places like that how yeah. did how did those things happen that they're continuing these these trends that are generational and the rest of the world progresses yeah. while while uh, these communities kind of stay the same but so on a back to George Floyd what's what's this week been like as a just a black man in general like what's what are your feelings it's been surreal man to be honest um let me just say start by saying this I'm not like an avid news watcher or a social media kind of person like I usually get my news secondhand from friends or my wife or because I've learned that if you keep your mind focused on just like negativity and just like feeling like the, the world is just like chaos all the time. Well, then it will be. And so not to like, you know, be totally like flaky or tuned out. I don't, I don't always know what's going on per se, right. When it happens, but for some reason, like I found out about that pretty much, you know, as soon as it happened. And I think for one, uh, a few weeks before that, the young man that was gunned down while jogging, Ahmad, uh, was it Aubrey? Yeah. That really bothered me. Like, that really bothered me. Uh, for one, because I have nephews that live, well, that go to school close to where, where he was. And they're, they're the kind of black guys like me that are like, go jogging or, you know, go exercise. And you, you see me up and down Park Avenue. And we've talked about it before. It's like, oh, <laughs> I, was like, I don't see many brothers out here. But the thing that really bothered me about that was that, like, that could have been me. Yeah. Well, I think I think I ran into you on the day after that happened, and or so, it was very soon after. Oh, mod, yeah, yeah. And and you had your dog with you, mm -hmm. and we live in a, a very white yeah. neighborhood, mm -hmm. and and you made the comment of this is why I have my dog with me because it gives me a reason to be a black man in the and be out and yeah. be out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that that's, I mean, we've had a lot of conversations along those lines, but having like having a prop there with you to like yes. to visualize like, Oh, you actually have, you can't just go out. And, and conversely, there were, there were some of the protests, there were white guys protesting this and running around their streets with TVs on their shoulders right <laughs> that's not funny but i'm like yeah right that's ridiculous yeah but but the you know you can you know, from the other perspective you yeah. can pretty much do whatever you want mm -hmm. and no one really thinks they're gonna the logic in that is that oh that person's making a point or he's goofing off right. or he's but he's yeah. he's not a threat well i mean you know george floyd's death i mean like like i said a couple of weeks before and then you had the young lady that was killed in her home and then a few weeks before that, like during the pandemic, you had all these people show up at a state capitol with like weapons. And that that struck me because I was like, now, if a bunch of brothers showed up right. with, with a bunch of guns, you think they would have let them stand there and talk, right. you know, 
the whole you know when when I I haven't watched the video and I don't want to see it. Yeah, George, I haven't George Floyd. I've seen pictures, right? And they're very disturbing. But the idea that someone would think that that was permissible and would go without some kind of um, blowback shows me how far we still have to go as a country, not just as like black people, but as a country, because you can't put your knee on someone's neck while they're begging you, you know, calling for their dead mother, telling you that they can't breathe and continue to do that and believe that it's something that is, like I said, permissible and something that you will probably be, you know, Oh, you know, this, this is okay. I'm a cop. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a cop hater. I have several friends that are policemen, both black and white, good friends. And, uh, I know they do a job that's, that's dangerous and that's thankless in a lot of ways. But, you know, this just goes back to the deeper, uh, systemic racism. And it is racism because you wouldn't even think to do something like that if you didn't think that you could get away with it, you know, that this man's life, this black man's life has such minimal value that you can take his life away and not expect any consequences with a video camera on you with a video. Yeah. With a video camera, you looking dead in the camera. That's the picture I've seen. Yeah. And it just, it just resonated to my core. I didn't get like angry at like, we need to like blow up the white house. Like I need to kill all the white people. It made me angry that like people are just so without compassion for another human being, because we should be able to do better at this point in our history as a nation. You know, the first slaves were brought here like in 1619, I believe. And so, I mean, that's 400 years, 401 years that we've had, that you've had, your your brothers and sisters, the white races had 400 years to try and rectify uh, the treatment and the mistreatment and abuse and, um, you know, neglect of black lives, of uh, black bodies. You know, I have a white wife. I have biracial children. So I don't hold any animosity towards white people as a race. I hold animosity towards racism as a system of uh, control and oppression. And and that that's what needs to be rectified. Mm. We have got to dismantle the way that people see black people and people of color, but especially black people in this country. You know, I'm not angry. I'm hurt though. And the thing is is that um I've I've had, you know, I shared a few with you. Just white people, I'm so I'm reading a book I just got this book on 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 my um, Kindle last night. It's called uh, White Fragility, and it's written by a white woman. And I was not familiar with that term. And pretty much the uh, basis of this book is that white people don't like to talk about racism because it makes them uncomfortable, because it points out to them just the uh, uh, inequality right. in in American life. And nobody, you know, nobody wants to be called racist. And 
because that implies that you are what? That you're an immoral, mean person. But the fact that you, as, as a white person, don't want to confront and address the reality that racism is a system, it is a system because it's not real. It's something that was socially constructed to keep white men primarily in power and the beneficiaries are their descendants. And the fact that white people don't want to talk about race in this country is why I think after George Floyd's um, murder, everyone is, you know, we're up in arms. People are protesting. Um, People are, you know, rioting because people are angry and they're fed up with um, turning the other cheek, Mm -hmm. just to be honest. You know, I thank God that I'm like older now because if I were probably, if I were 25, I I could see myself being really, really angry and probably wanting to, you know, go hurt somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you alluded to what some people have reached out to you in the last few days. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously me being one of them, but you and I have been having this conversation for about a year. Right. But I've had, I've had people even ask me on your behalf because they know that I'm friends with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm doing. Yeah. People that are, 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 they just, they have a, try to say this in a way that is um, honoring of what they're trying Mm -hmm. to do. And I get it. But also at the same time, kind of evidence of, and let me include myself in Mm -hmm. this category because you're the list of white people that you know far exceeds the list of black people that I know. So there are, there's, I guess an uncertainty of what to do at this point for Mm -hmm. the people who are waking up, who are realizing what they've been kind of asleep to. And I, and I think one thing I wanted to say earlier along the lines of being seen as black, I heard this said a couple years ago, like if you don't think about your, like white people are the only people that don't think about their race. No, they don't. And pretty much everybody else in the United States, if you're not white, you have to think about your race. And I think that white people think in some ways that we don't have a race, like in some, some ways. But I think it's worth pointing out that everyone else thinks that white people have a race. Well, I think white people in general, and I don't want to generalize, I'm not a sociologist, I'm not, you know, but I think white people think racism was something that was stamped out and eradicated in like the 60s, like during the civil rights movement, you know, and because of that attitude, I think a lot of white people think that if you as a black person are not you know, able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, be productive and make something of yourself. It's your own fault because they don't understand that, yeah, race is a thing. It's a fictitious thing that we invented, but it is a thing that is over, like overwhelming in the um, social structure of American life. Like you said, white people don't wake up every day and think about their race. I mean, the street that I live on right here, there is uh, a dead end at the end of this street. And I went out to walk my dog 
and there's a cop sitting at the end of the street. Now, what would you think if you just saw the cop sitting at the end of the street? I nothing. Probably wouldn't even think. You'd be just like, okay. I would think he's probably doing some paperwork. Probably or eating donuts or something, yeah, right? right? Yeah, like hiding. He's like trying to like yeah. yeah. Okay, because I I've told you this before. Like I feel like I live in two worlds. Like part of me knows that he's really not probably paying me any attention, but the other part of me, the the black man. Is like, yeah, but you better be cool because he's probably watching you. And the only reason that he doesn't really freak me out is because I've seen him there several times. And so I know that he knows that I live here. Mm -hmm. He's probably seen me come and go enough to know that I live here. All right. But why should I even have to think about that? That shouldn't even be a thing. I should be able to just walk out. You have to like self-report yourself. Yeah, like, right, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, I feel like I, I need to put a sign in my yard, like... I'm a black man. I, I the live black here. guy lives here. Don't freak out. Like, I actually live here. I actually, this is my house. Yeah, and I'm I'm not the, uh, the uh, groundskeeper. <laughs> like, this is actually my house. Well, the thing is, is like, you know, a white woman lives here, too, my wife. And so, you know, there's always this, like, you know, latent fear that I have... There's going to be some cop that may have seen my white wife out in the yard doing her, you know, white people stuff. That's what I call it, like messing with her flowers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not really white people stuff. But <laughs> so racist. I, yeah, that's very racist. Right now. <laughs> we ain't got no time to be messing with no flowers, girl. I always fear that, like, I'm going to come home because when I was working before uh, the quarantine, I would come home two, three in the morning and, you know, more than once, I've been like, wow, if I see a cop and he knows that, like, this white lady lives here and he sees me going there, I was like, is he going to follow me? Is he going to, you know? I mean, and what's what's the guy's name? Um, Henry Gates. I think he's, like, on PBS. Oh, the guy that does the uh, Traces the Roots? Yeah. Like, didn't he get, like, didn't the cops, like, bust into his house? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. There was, like, where he went home one day, you know, and, like, the cops were like, what are you doing in there? And he's like, I live here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I you remember, remember that. That? Yeah. That, was that. That was him? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I'm like. Yeah, I remember that. No. I'm like, that's that's somebody that's famous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, that's that's just, but, but, but why? My whole thing is like, why do white people still feel, why is there so much fear of the white race towards black people when they see us? where they think we quote unquote shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, why did they follow that, that, that man, um, uh, and, and kill him because there had been some robberies in the neighborhood. I'm like, um, all the meth heads and freaks and, uh, vagrants that I know, like that are like low lives are white people. You know, because I know a lot of, I mean, like, I've been around lots of different classes of people or whatever. And, like, the ones that scare me the most are the ones that are like. Oh, I, I agree. I'm, I'm much more scared out in the country. Yeah. You know, some crazy, like, methed out, like, you know, that's more terrifying to me. I mean, we're not the ones that have historically been hanging people in trees and dragging them behind cars. And it's like, why are white people so afraid of black people? Well, I, I think to to kind of separate that out a little bit. I think, I think there is that, there is that 
that fear. And I think sometimes it's on and out in front and sometimes it's somewhere that people can't even really put words oh, to Oh, it's it. definitely a subconscious thing, yeah. But I, I also think mixed into that and probably more to the people that you and I are friends with, the things that we deal with is just, and, and not that this doesn't get into sy systemic racism, mm -hmm. but we're, it's an on, it's more of an uncommon occurrence. And so we're, we're used to what we're used to because we kind of live still in segregated communities. And so the appearance of someone who it doesn't look like us or we're not used to is, is maybe a little bit jarring, or that would be the case in a predominantly white neighborhood of any other race. Like you would, um, you know, if there was someone from China, there would be a similar reaction that, that, that I think is an element to that reaction mixed in with things that we already know are, are true about things that are built into the way things are unfair and we view each other with a prejudice as yeah. well. I mean, this, but does that, does that make it like, there was a funny, uh, like parody video I saw on, uh, on the internet uh, about like um, white people calling the police on black people so you know black people joke we joke amongst ourselves like we don't call the cops like <laughs> we don't call the cops to our house so i was at choir rehearsal one night and my wife called me and my neighbor next door there's a bunch of police that had shown up and she called me she was like oh my gosh she's like there's a bunch of police uh next door and i'm like well good at least they're next door and uh, she was like, well, they came over and like talked to me and asked if we'd seen this guy or whatever. Well, long story short, the guy had passed away in the house and we didn't know. The thing uh, I said to her, just like reaction, like, you know, not even think I was like, you let the police in my house? <laughs> not that I have anything in this house that is illegal or whatever, but it was just like, we don't let we don't call the police to our houses there's probably some bootleg albums that are legal i'm sure i got some bootleg albums but i mean you know i mean seriously it's like a my son found a book bag at the park at the playground at the school one time and my wife my lovely beautiful dear white <laughs> wife called the cops you saw what you call her my dear white wife yes, my dear white wife <laughs> she called the cops and once again I, I i reprimanded her i was like we don't call the folks that's what we call them like, we don't call the folks they don't come to our house okay we don't give them any reason to come to our house okay and she was like i, I know but i was just free. i was like don't call the police to my house please they were over here the other day uh the alarm went off and she was like oh, you think somebody broke in i'm like let them let them call the police but i wasn't here <laughs> you know i'm like they come over there when i'm not there <laughs> and they're like hey he's still here they're like wait a minute some of this the black guy that like, took your stuff is still right. here <laughs> okay okay like if i show up like do to do like there he is there's the robber i'm like i'm not what i'm robbing myself i want to steal my star wars stuff i don't feel like i should be laughing at this oh you should be i mean the thing is Corey, if you don't I mean, that's one thing that has gotten, I think, black people through or kept us sane is that you got to be able to laugh at the absurdity of the situation because it's like, come on, y'all ought to know. Come on, y'all ought to know. 
how the black uh the, the cops treat black people it's like they've been rapping about it and singing about it for 40 years now and the white people have been buying all the albums that's who bought nwa albums oh yeah you know we bootlegged them yeah what was the uh what was the um hbo doc with dr dre and Oh, the guy, uh, um, Jimmy, J- Jimmy, Iveen. I- I- Iveen. yeah, Iveen from my, uh, uh, the something ones, the defiant yeah, ones. Right. Did you watch that? Uh-huh, I did actually. Oh man, it was super interesting yeah. to, to think about basically that entire like gangster rap yeah. got funded by like teenage yeah. white kids. Well, I mean, because it's exotic to them, you know, Yeah. I'm like, if that's what you see every day, you know, I always, always laugh when uh people like you know send me these videos of like you know kids that like you know oh look at this little boy that can really sing like a eight-year-old black kid i'm like yeah that's that's kind of what we do (laughs) you know like like we're not we're not that impressed by that you know we (laughs) sing we know how to sing we like to sing and that's not being racist it's like black people like to sing we're very musical people and you know the whole idea that it's just oh wow you know i mean see the smart black people are like little richard and all those guys are like yeah we're gonna go do this and these white people are gonna love it because mm. the black people are like yeah man whatever we don't care you know i mean even to this day i'm in the um i'm a member of the alabama blues society and i'm a actually uh i was inducted into the alabama blues hall of fame and are they still are they still voting on me <laughs> yeah they're they're like man the the jury's still out on whether Corey <laughs> nolan is the the quintessential um southern blues artist when you think blues you do think of me though that's what i think of um and so i mean the thing is is like but that that's something that is primarily um kept alive those kind of those blue societies and that kind of stuff by white people aficionados the the blues music that black people listen to um i'll play you some it's not the same blues music like black people aren't still listening to howlin wolf and muddy waters they're listening to like you know tyrone davis and all this other stuff that's very risque Mm. and um kind of cheesy some of it this is modern blues yeah modern blues like the blues that black people listen to now it's really not the blues the white people think uh-huh. of. Yeah. <clears throat> but well, we've kind of romanticized totally that. And that's always been the case with art, you know, especially black art and music in this country is that, you know, the one the, the blacks artists that rise to the top usually are the ones that are what? The ones that white people are the ones that are really into, you know. Well, to that point, and we're gonna wrap it up for this one. But, but but tying up a few of these things that we've talked about, people who are wondering, what can I do? What people who are waking up to these things and who are in the white community waking up to these things and they're saying, I, I, I see this in a different way. Uh, it's, and I, I, do, I really believe that a lot of people are really shaken by it. And then I've heard that question put out there and then I've heard black you know, either people that are in entertainment or people that have a, a, a voice say multiple times, say, you know, knowing that it's it's going to take that those people t- 
to to begin to make this really shift and to have that change and it is you know listen have 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 conversations like people like me have kids who watch people who are black on screen and are entertained by them and to make that association with your kids that hey that person that you love that makes you laugh or that does this thing that you really embrace they also they have to face this reality of things that we've been talking about that they they can't move through life in the same way that you can and until until the people who don't have that to worry about begin to worry about it for the people who do have to worry about it then it will continue to stay the same or take very small steps for a very long time which is what we've been on the route to do well that's a somber way to to end it for this week but um the whole thing is 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 kind of in that tone so um it's the reality that we're in and i i'm glad thank you for for hanging out oh, and man, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity and just uh you know getting organized and putting everything you know in place so that we could do this i got organization buddy you are you, white people are good at that i've learned <laughs> through playing in white churches white people are good at the organization i was five minutes early too yeah like we should let y'all organize the church and then y'all let us sing <laughs> I, I i think that's how a lot of them are set up anyway all right we gotta go we'll see you next time all right man see you Two Americas is a production of I Can't Believe We're Having to Talk About This. For future episodes, please subscribe.